Well, hi everyone. We're here on the corner of South 29 and M55 West uh, for another edition of the Grovecast. I'm just going to take is it Vermilia? Yeah. Is that how you say it last yep. time? I never. We've been meeting, talking yep. for an hour and a half. That's right. I just met this young man an hour ago, hour and a half ago in person. We've kind of done some messaging back and forth. Uh, John Vermilia, pastor of the Tabernacle over in Buckley, uh, thriving community over there, planting churches, online presence. And I think somewhere along the way, we were separated at birth. I think so, too. We yeah. have a lot in common. 100%. Likes, likes the same coffee. We have the same kind of views. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a great, he's a good-looking dude. That's why we look the exactly. same, right? Over exactly. Here. But I'm just trying to keep up, especially with your hair game. <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of hair product going on here today, for sure, with that. But with those guys, the squirrel going right there? It's, I know, right? It's a pleasure. I feel like God went on, uh, on Duck Dynasty is what I look more like in the rest of them, probably. But... Um, it's a pleasure to get to meet you today, and we've Same had here. a great discussion on uh, church and life and family and stuff. And so, uh, but this whole thing's always been about is just building bridges. And I kind of feel like the bridge from Buckley to Cadillac just got even smoother today. That's so right. We've had a great discussion. So, John, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, of course, I'm sure anybody watching this already knows, probably following you. I don't uh, know about that. Hanging on yeah, you. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. You know, there's a lot of them to hang on, so choose them wisely. <laughs> I've never been uh, accused of not having a lot of words, but uh, no, I'm I'm the uh, son of, uh, of missionaries, and uh, my father was a pastor. I like to tell people I was born and raised in the Christian ghetto. Uh, I grew up overseas. Um, when I was born, my parents were missionaries in Jamaica, but uh, I spent most of my formative years in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, lived there till I was 14, and then God, in His wisdom, decided. Uh, that I should live in Michigan. So I've got tropical blood and have endured uh, 18 winters in this, uh, what I call this barbarian wilderness in the land of misfit toys. That's what, that's northern Michigan. That's it. Everybody thinks Detroit, they think Grand Rapids, but up here, when you get northern Michigan and onto the UP, Mm -hmm. it's just nuts. But um, came, came to know the Lord at a young age. Um, never wanted to be a pastor, never wanted to be a preacher, never wanted to live in Michigan. <laughs> but uh, um, Now you're doing all three. Now I'm doing all three. God, God has, a, has a funny sense of humor. But uh, I met my wife at college. I went to Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, we spent 10 years in sports ministry. Uh, I'm a soccer guy. Um, I'm still a soccer coach, but I was a player, played in college, played a little bit of pro. Um, used soccer as a bridge with the rest of the world for 10 years and then uh, was having more and more speaking and preaching opportunities and uh, heard the call late. About 30 years old, I started preaching um, as an itinerant speaker. And then at 33, uh, my wife and I specifically felt like God was calling us back to her hometown, which is Buckley, Michigan. So we moved from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is like that's oh that's a bit that's a beautiful big southern city but it's also keep up with the joneses city and we moved to flyover red state redneck red meat bucktucky Mm -hmm. as i like to call it. i love how you call flyover cities i love that i'm gonna steal that from you i'm gonna act like i came up with it too this is flyover we're flyover yeah and uh never really intended to stay long um Darcy grew up at at the Tabernacle, Um, and uh, the Tabernacle is about an 80-year-old church that almost died. Um, At one point, when she and I were first married, it was down to 20 people or less. Mm. And uh, 
but by God's grace, um, got some good leadership. And uh, the pastor before me began, like I was telling you, like Nehemiah, to begin to rebuild the walls mm-hmm. and just loving people, loving God, loving people, leading people to Christ. And he invited me to come on as a youth pastor in uh, 2003. And so moved up here in 2003, and like I said, didn't intend to stay. Yeah. And um, two years later, he resigned, and they asked me to be the pastor. And all of a sudden, I had a vision for a local church. Mm-hmm. And I had a vision. God gave me a vision for flyover country. Mm-hmm. And God just blessed us way more than we deserved. And, uh, yeah. So, so it wasn't your it wasn't your five year by five year plan. It no, was you just following as God opened doors. That's exactly right. And I can relate to that. A hundred percent. I was telling you before, I feel like my life, I feel kind of like Forrest Gump. Like I'm just a feather on a breeze. I've done a lot of different things, but yeah. this is the longest I've ever lived in one place. It's the longest church I've ever been at. Yeah. It's the only church I've ever been a pastor at or been on staff at. Um, and you know how it is. I mean, when... When a ministry or a minister or a church starts doing really well, uh, and I don't say this with any boasting or any animosity, but bigger churches come calling. Mm-hmm. Bigger s- churches and bigger cities come calling. Mm-hmm. And um, as God has blessed the tabernacle, what I found myself saying, I mean, the answer was easy. It was always no. Right. And it was like, why would I leave where God is working yeah. and doing something and these people matter. Yeah. Why? Why do I want to go be teaching pastor number five at your mega church? Just get lost and in the, get yeah. lost up yeah. up there when yeah. I, I there's no other church I want to be at. We did a lot of talking about because we have a love of football and coaching as well yep. and that yep. kind of thing. I've always equated coaching to pastoring in a lot of yes. sense. And when when some of these guys get called to bigger bigger programs, it's like I always appreciate the guy that stays. Or he's at and builds that right. into something. Yeah. I, I, and maybe people are different, but I sense you're the same way. I'm, 100%. I'd rather stay and build something yeah. than just go be it. And there's tradition. There's great stuff. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, probably yeah. some of those places some people would call. You're like, I'm saying no to every place. But if this one did, I would have a hard time saying no. You yeah. I mean? For me, the probably the one I'd have a hard time saying no to is the one that involves me with a beach house. That would be tough to Some say. Yeah. Time. You can yeah. see God yeah. calling to that. I see yeah. the Lord saying yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's funny because, you know, I grew up in Haiti. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, my dream was to be a missionary. Yeah. And I wanted to be, um, I wanted to take my family and my children and give them the same experience that I had. And it was probably right, right around there in my 30s when I started preaching that I felt like God was saying to me, you know, John, I know this is the desire of your heart. Um, that you want to go and you want to do what your dad did, your mom did, and give that for your family. But I'm going to use you more as a mobilizer. And that was hard to take. Sure. That was sure. hard to take. And then I was like, well, can at least be in a cool city? I mean, no, I'm not slamming Buckley. I love Buckley. But Buckley used to be the butt of every joke mm. in northern Michigan when I got here. Mm. And uh, But by God's grace... As we've seen the tabernacle grow and start to draw from communities around it, it's been transformative for Buckley. Yeah, for sure. Now people, honestly, and this is a whole different conversation, people are moving to Buckley. Mm. People are like, oh, there's a happening church. There's a school that kind of feels like school was 20 or 30 years ago. It's not like these big city public schools where, you know, you can't do anything. It's like, oh, my kid can go there and play three sports and 
and you know a pastor can still come in and go to lunch you know please don't report that because we don't want to get the buckley school in trouble but yeah um it isn't just buckley it's uh um because right now the just our Buckley campus is drawing more than the population of Buckley. So they're coming from other communities. Right. But it's getting the attention. And it goes back to the old school way of the church used to be the center of it. There you go. There you go. We're seeing that happen here now when you've got a place that's loving people, preaching the truth, has a community, things to offer. It'll it'll help a town. Yeah. And and to be honest, one of of the – like – you and I were supposed to do this podcast. You know, you set the time at 11, 11 and yeah. now it's sometime in the afternoon. Yeah. One of the reasons we hit it off is, I'll be honest, I've never been to Cherry Grove. I've never, I mean, maybe I drove through here one time. I've never seen Cherry Grove Nazarene. But then I come down here. This is flyover country, too. This is the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And then I walk in and I see this big old church in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, and it reminds me again, part of the, you and I were joking, brothers from other mothers. Right. God's not done with flyover country. Absolutely not. Flyover country, rural, red state matters to God. Sure thing. And in 2020, August or what is it, July of 2020, July. if there's any time where we need some common sense, God-fearing, Bible-believing people, Amen. maybe rural needs to tell these cities how to do things instead of us always going to the cities to find out how we should do things. Yeah. You know, because uh, what we're watching on the news is just straight crazy. Right? I don't want to be where that's happening right now, for sure. No, and I'm no, not no, saying no. it can't creep its way in here either, but 100%. there's a, a gentleman in our church, he always calls this the land that time forgot because yeah. we still believe in the, in the fundamentals and the, and the things mm-hmm. that have built our country to be what it is. Not saying that we're, we have all the answers, but man, where yeah. there's people... Where there's people. There is where God needs to be, wherever they are. Yeah, right? and just like you were talking, I mean, if you think about it, um, well, this is an interesting story. And uh, and if anyone's listening to this that I hurt your feelings, I'm not trying to, I promise. But when I first moved to Michigan, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, you got to network with other pastors. And so the closest city where we do our shopping is Traverse City. Sure. So we went up to Traverse City, and I got invited to go to this youth pastor gathering of all these big old churches in Traverse City, and and, uh, um, and the guy that organized it was a really good guy. And when I got there, he, he said, oh, we've got somebody from Buckley here today. This is John, and, and John travels and speaks for Forge International, and I was part of that itinerant thing I was telling you about. And he's a youth pastor in Buckley. And true story, one of those guys, you know, pastors get together, you want to try to be funny, you want to try to be cool. One of these guys goes, Buckley? <laughs> I didn't know anything good could come out of Buckley. Wow. And it, there was like, you know, and there was a big laugh. And I looked at that guy and I said, and, and I was in, I was a lot, I'd like to think I'm more mature now than I was then, but that that ticked me off because, oh, yeah. you know, I'm coaching there and I love these kids and we're trying to do things and uh, trying to bring the gospel to people's everyday lives. Right. I looked at that guy and I said, you know, they said that about Jesus one time. Yeah. Boy, that sucked the air right out of the room. I bet that did. Brian, I never went back. I don't blame you. I, I never, now, it's different now, mm-hmm. but there's an attitude. And I'm not saying every guy in that room had that attitude. Not every church has that attitude. Right. But what I get so excited about what's going on here is, is uh, G- God chose to put his son in Nazareth. Yeah. And then he pulled these disciples a lot of them from nowhere. 
Yeah. No seminary, no edu- big education. They're blue collar dudes. You know, they wore Carhartt jackets and wore steel toed boots, sure and they changed the world. They turned the world upside down, changed the calendar of human history. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm fired up about rural stuff. And so I'm fired up about your church, man. It's cool. Appreciate I appreciate it. I'm you got a podcast. Yeah. I don't have a podcast. What's going on? I got people that make me look good, man. And you know who you are for sure. I'm just, it, it, you find out you live your dreams when you follow the Lord. I told exactly. you I want to get into sports journalism and yep. uh, that kind of stuff. And look, now that I'm, and I love to write, I've got mm-hmm. 8 million spiral notebooks and oh, pages and yeah. books. You're writing a lot of books. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I'm writing all the time. But when you, when you follow what God wants you to do, I mean, look what we're getting to do here. And we're spreading the gospel in the process, yeah. which is fantastic. So we have a kindred spirit in feeling called the rural areas like yeah. that and, and having that. And the weird thing is, and this for any anyone who's listening I, or watching, I'm not saying everybody's got to go into full-time ministry. No, no. I thought I never wanted to be a preacher and I never wanted to be a local pastor and I never, for oh, for sure, never want to live in Michigan. I'm a beach boy. Like, man, I got a tan just from Michigan. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. But now that I said yes to God, there's nothing else I want to do. No. I I was I was raised in a big city. I love to hunt. I love to fish. Mm. I love to you know for a while there I had a big jeep with a little bit of lift and big tires. I I've, I've embraced this culture. Yeah. Right. I, man, don't get me wrong. I still like to go south and well, vacation. Well, you got beaches here too. Oh, anyway, yeah. You know? If you call them beaches. Well, I mean, water, 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 water is safe. I don't get that water. I die of hypothermia. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. No doubt, even in yeah. July. But, it's kind of warm right now. But just but. what you were saying, when you follow God's will, I never would have dreamt this life for me. No. And and when we say yes to God, yeah. it, man, you'll never regret it. And doesn't that fuel your message to your people and anybody you meet? Say yes to God. Just get to that point say to yes say to yes. Yeah. And then just hang on. Say yes yeah. to God. Yeah, yeah. man, I'm, I'm, you, I'm glad you said that. I got a sermon series that just started in my head. You got, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I'll yeah. give you credit. <laughs> That's all yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I had to give credit to everybody I stole yeah, from, yeah, no. the whole message would be credits, you know. Yeah, 100%. So you get the, the pastor leaves, they call you there, you start getting ingrained in the service in the church. Uh, just kind of take us through some of the stuff we talk, we've talked about today. How What starts getting your gears turning to realize what's the best here at Buckley? Well, I'd I'd been the youth pastor for two years, but I had my eye on moving to a bigger city and then just doing the itinerant pastor work. And I did my best during those two years to really support the lead pastor with what he wanted to do. And I was just trying to get a student ministry off the ground. And then, you know, like I thought, I thought I was going to move on to bigger, better things. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they asked me to be the lead pastor after he resigned, I started thinking about all the things that I would do, do if I was a lead pastor. Now it wasn't against the former guy. It's just I just buried my head. You know, I think to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. So I just followed whatever he was doing. Yeah. But then I it opened up my mind to and my heart to well, how would I help bring this church in flyover country into 2006, which okay. was the time, because we're 10, 20 years behind in everything. Mm-hmm. So when the board came, and I was really blessed um, to have this opportunity, because they said, we want you to be the lead pastor. Now, at the time, I only preach once or twice a year. Wow. T- 
to wow. the big church. Yeah, I, I was preaching my face off to students, and you know we were getting a hundred some students coming to our student ministry, which was more than was coming to the church on Sunday. Right. But uh, they said we want you to be the pastor, and I said, Ah, no, you don't. Yes, we do. No, I don't think you do. I said, Yep, we do. I said, Well, I'm gonna change everything. Oh, we want change. I said, Are you sure? Yeah. And uh, they said, Yeah, we're sure. And I said, change is gonna be hard. And so what I agreed with them is I said, let me be the pastor, let me be the interim for six months, and then we'll talk about it again. So six months we started changing a few things, and God blessed it. And all of a sudden the church just, even in those six months, just started growing. And then they gave me the full-time call, and I said, now I'm really gonna change some stuff. Are you sure? Yep, sure. And so we just started changing everything. And without trying to be ADD, it started with aesthetics. It started with creating a place um, that, well, first of all, get rid of the overhead projector. <laughs> but why? Yeah, <laughs> this was 2006, mind you. You know, we're gonna invest in a PowerPoint. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, that was big time. Uh, we started serving coffee. Everybody likes coffee and uh, um, little things, new paint, lipstick, rouge, new, you know, programs that were, we, we started cutting out the fat yeah. of, of like all the ministries that were just a lot of fellowship, yeah. a lot of church people come around and, and say, oh, this is church and made everything Bible centered. Preaching was Bible centered. Worship was Bible centered. Groups that are Bible centered. Just teach people the Bible. Yeah. And uh, boom, it started to grow. Then we started doing things like I, I was telling you, felt like God was saying that he would not do anything spectacular with our church unless we went after men. Early on, we started going after men. I started going after men unapologetically yeah. in everything. Yeah. Decor, the preaching, the illustrations, the music. You and I are men. If, if, the, if the tone's up there, I can't sing it. I'm not going to sing. Hey, it's no not that I don't want to sing. Yeah. Make them sing in a tone that men can sing in. Yeah. Women are going to sing whether or not. They fit in anywhere. Yeah, women are going to come in whether or not. Right. Even in the decor. This is silly. I was I was actually talking to a guy who was on staff at a big old church in Seattle mm. that had all of these men coming to his church. And, I, and, and we were talking about men. And he said, um, if you watch men, and you and I know this, you and I go to the mall. What's the first thing that starts hurting? Man, my back hurts. I need to sit down. You see all these sad men in the middle because that's mostly a women environment. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go into Dick's Sporting Goods or Bass Pro Shops, yeah. things are good. Right. She takes me by Bath and Body Works with her. I don't know what to touch. I, I don't do. Yeah. God forbid she wants to go into Victoria Place. I'm not going in there. I don't know where to put my eyes. No, it's like, it I'm yeah. like, I'm having hot. I got to go somewhere else. But... A man in a woman's environment feels awkward. So I'm trying to get families to come to my church, or I'm finding new people. And the dude, you know, if 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 my church is covered in flowers and doilies, mm-hmm. and the PowerPoint background is a woman in a wheat field with her hands in the air, he doesn't know what is going on, you yeah. know. And and Jesus is Jesus wearing a dress? Yeah. You know, dudes are dudes. Mm-hmm. And so we started, and I'm using hyperbole. We started changing things. Not to be sexist. No. Because, here's the deal, you can go to Buffalo Wild Wings with your wife. If she's with you, she's good. Mm -hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings. 
that's a sports bar. Right. You know, they serve great chicken. There's all these games. There's trivia. Man plays. Right. But if your wife's with you, she's fine. Women are much more adaptable than men are. Mm -hmm. Men are big babies, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Well, you're, yeah, you're right. So that's what I mean when we started going after decor. The illustration always had a man illustration. We started this thing called Fight Club, where mm -hmm. I started discipling men hard. We started saying things in sermons that, that always had a, when I say a man application, you know, I said one time in, in a sermon, as I said, uh, I don't remember the context, this was early on, I, I said, man, if you call yourself a Christian, and you got little kids, and you never read the Bible with your little kids, you never read Bible stories to them, you never pray with your kids, I'm not sure you love your kids. Mm -hmm. We had three men leave the church that Sunday. Now, they didn't tell me. They didn't tell you, of course not. But they told my associate pastor, well, yeah. John said I don't love my kids. Yeah. And uh, he told me about it later, and I'm like, oh, I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the end of that story, because that, that's hard for a man to hear that maybe I'm failing as a man. But that's what I mean when <laughs> kick men right in the batteries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Two of those men came back, and they said, he's right. And they join Fight Club, and they're like, you're going to have to teach me the Bible because I don't know the Bible. Uh, you, Which you know is why I mean? I'm not teaching it to my kids. Right. right. Yeah. And then and then I've had people say, well, what about that guy that left? And this sounds heartless. You're a leader. You get it. I can't build a church on a man who's going to walk away because I told him something hard. No. But a man that will come back and will say, you made me mad. You ticked me off. But I thought about it. You're right. Mm -hmm. And had I not got lathered up, I probably wouldn't be stated. Exactly. I could have just coasted. Now... Let's charge at your coasters. Yeah. Well, you get men like that. Yeah. That are dogs and not cats. <laughs> there you go. Those dogs will charge the gates of hell with squirt guns with you. You got it. And you so God used that big time. Yeah. And 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 uh, you know, when when you know at the beginning, I would probably say the first two to three years of being the pastor there, um, we were probably sixty percent women. But over time we saw more and more men, more and more men. You know, the committee meetings that I was in, the planning meetings, there were me and a bunch of women. Mm -hmm. I told the church, I've only been in here with a bunch of women. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't love women. I have a high view of women. I think they're the crown jewel of creation. I believe men and women are equal. Sure. But there's a reason that in the garden, after our first parents sinned, God came looking for the man. He did. He was going to find out. Where are you? Yeah. And we started preaching, where are where you? Are you and we yeah. saw more and more men get involved, more and more men showing up at youth group, more and more men teaching and kids men, more and more men serving. And uh, and then here's the here's the reason for men is I've had sociologists, uh, I've looked at studies. If you get a woman committed to Jesus, baptized, coming to church, you have 50-50 shot, her man comes with her, her boyfriend, her hu husband. You'll get her kids when they're little, but I this is true, it's Cherry Grove. Grow up, yeah, yeah. You've got women who come here alone, yeah. and he won't come, yeah. and you'll get the kids for a while, and then they make their own choices, and they don't come. Mm -hmm. Fact. Mm -hmm. You get a man fired up about Jesus, baptized, committed, member, Put me in, coach. Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve the Lord, and you show me where to play. You always get his family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get the whole family. Yeah. So when we started aiming at men, that was a game changer. 
and the women thanked us for it. Mm. None of all that, you know, there's occasional, oh, we always go after men, you must be sexist. Now, the women who get it are like, keep hitting them, keep hitting them hard. My marriage is different. He's different at home. He stopped drinking. Now he wants to go to Fight Club. Now he wants to be a part of things. And now he's a better doing. dad, better yeah. husband. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it's, well, you know, so. That's the only way you have to add in there because it's not like we're excluding you. We're no. not saying we don't like women. We've got people to minister to them too. No. But you can't, you're not going to be able to minister to women yourself nope. anyway. We have godly women in our church. Yeah. We, we did a series through Titus. And one of that parts, I can't remember the chapter, but you know what I'm talking about in Titus, where it says, uh, older men teach the younger men. Yes. And then it says older women teach the younger teach women. The older women. And I think there's a dirty little secret in church. We've been trying to do small groups forever. Mm-hmm. And some churches do it and they do it well. For us, small groups have been like trying to push a snowball uphill. I'm with you. It's hard. Yeah. But when we put men with men, mm-hmm. men learn best in the company of other men. Mm-hmm. And... There is a place for for mixed groups. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying go back to the days of Amish church, men on one side, women on the other. I'm not yeah. saying that. No. But our breakouts, we put men together mm-hmm. so that men can be real. And when I say be real, it's not just talk about their struggles. The other dirty little secret is most men are faking it. And you I know, know it because that. I am one. Listen, that's something we do. We, yeah. just, we do it. Yeah. They don't know near as much as they think they act like, yeah. except about their job and about lumber mm-hmm. and about hunting. Sure. When it comes to the Bible or Jesus, a lot of them are faking it because mm-hmm. no one's taught them. No one's trained them. Right, right. But I can't train them, and neither can you with his wife sitting there. Mm-hmm. So, so have you ever heard this thing that men are like, men are like a thermos and women are like a goblet, like a glass, like a chinaware? Mm-hmm. Or men are like a Yeti cup. Mm-hmm. You know, these steel things, a tumbler, sure. steel. Yeah. You can drop it, you can step on it, you can run over it with the car like a thermos. Yeah. You can still put coffee in it and take it to the deer stand. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a goblet. No. So there's certain ways that I can speak to a man that I can't speak to a woman. Mm-hmm. And I there's certain ways to speak to a man that I can't speak to him in front of his wife. If I speak to him this way, and now, you know, I told you about Fight Club, that's our... That's our men's groups, uh, that where we groups of 12 men where we wrestle with God and His Word, our flesh, and one another. In Fight Club, we get real with football coach with the face mask. Right, and, right, and, oh, yeah, that's transformative. And so, and so that's kind of what I'm saying is, is by focusing on men that way, then they come back with their wives uh, as better men, and they're armed now. Yeah. Now they know more about the Bible, or if they don't know the, that part of the Bible, they know where to find it, to find or it. they know what yeah. to Google now, you yeah. know, because a yeah. bro showed them, you right. know, and that's how I grew. Right. I'm not God's gift to knowledge. I had men like you in my life that taught me, mm-hmm. and and you've had men in your life that Absolutely. taught you. you know, Absolutely. So, yeah. And you're hitting into the the best thing I think about for church's vision. Yeah. We we had the vision hammer. We're the same age group, so. Yep. You know, there's all the different things that we focused on to try to grow the church. Uh, I don't think one size fits all with anything. No. I think what you're talking about is exactly what it has to be in every setting. Okay, God, what about this place? Yeah. What it what needs to be done here? In the middle of a sermon, you're telling me, That's God right. says, tell these guys, tell these this church, 
It's going to have to be on the back cement. In the it's got to be on the back cement. Yeah. 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 And that was, you know, I told you, I'm not, I'm not a charismatic guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm a charismatic with the seatbelt. I, you know, I, seat I mean, the spirit still works. And it was in the sure. middle of a sermon sure. that I felt like God said, he won't do anything spectacular with your church unless it's on the backs of men. Right. And that's not sexist. No. The church should be the one place in 2020 where we say gender matters. Mm -hmm. Male and female, he created them. Right. Equal value, different roles. Equal value, different responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I don't know why he made dudes first. Mm -hmm. Probably because he just wanted dudes to have to carry the load of working hard so i mean if we look at the curse what is the curse now building the church is hard work yeah making a living is hard work yeah leading a family is hard work figuring out a woman and how to get her to stay with me is hard work yeah. figuring out kids is hard work the whole thing and for women who i think are more intelligent emotionally and spiritually and beautiful i've seen women mm -hmm. what is part of her curse you're going to desire his place mm -hmm. And isn't that just like God to say, I'm going to take the youngest shepherd boy that Jesse forgot about. I'm going to make him king. That's what God does. Not that men are king. Men ain't king. No. You know? You're just saying that the people off to the side that sometimes get forgotten about maybe are kind of taken for granted. Okay, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and we can talk the fine tunings of family and all that kind of stuff. But God wants men mm -hmm. fired up and to go back to what I was saying about men you see a church where men are fired up that's a happening church yeah yeah there's tons of churches where women are fired up I didn't make the rules mm -hmm. I'm not sexist mm -hmm. my wife's more sexist than I am I'm not <laughs> she's sexist I'm not yeah right um, but you get a church where the men are fired up and you know I've, I've traveled to a ton of churches uh, um, and, and this is this is important for us. Um, whether it's Cherry Grove, Buckley, big cities, I've I've had the privilege to for the last three years have been on the uh, uh, the Promise Keeper uh, speaking staff for Canada. So nice. Promise Keeper's still going strong in oh, Canada. Yeah. And so I don't know how it came about. Whatever. I've I've you know traveled all across Canada, Toronto, Saskatchewan, Calgary, been to Edmonton, you know, Ottawa, Newfoundland. Not, not the beach. I'm no, sorry. no beach in Canada. Yeah, no way. And we're about 10 years behind Canada. And if you follow Canada at all, you know, with really? the gender thing and the transgender thing and, the, you know, the sexuality and all that kind of stuff, the church, which has less stature in Canada than it does here, it's infiltrated there and they've struggled. And even some of the ways we're talking right now in Radio Free America here, mm -hmm. in Canada, I found Christians offended by it. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So I said in Canada one time, picture this. I'm in Toronto, 2,000 men, and I'm the last speaker. And I can't remember what I was preaching on, but I said something hard. I said something difficult. Two men. Yeah. And when I'm done... With, with that little thing, there's kind of this moment in the room, and I'm trying to take the air out a little bit. And, and I said, now, boys, I said, I know that was hard to take. And I'm sure there's a women's conference here next week that you're more welcome to go to. But we're men. I'm going to talk to you like men. Mm -hmm. That's all I said. Mm -hmm. And it got a big laugh. Yeah. And, and dudes are like, oh, okay, all right. He still loves us. That was funny. Right. You know, I got three or four emails from guys that thought that I was condescending to women because I said that. Yeah. 
Yeah. They don't get it, do they? They don't get it. Where you're trying to come from. They don't get it. Yeah. And the comments, that wasn't condescending to women. No. I was slamming men. Yeah. But that's a place where gender's getting fluid and yeah. where the all, it's it when it becomes more about the social justice cause mm -hmm. than Jesus. Yeah. He's got...